Welcome to ING's Think Aloud, where we try to make sense of the world in the most unbanky way we can. In today's episode... Asset purchases, as I mentioned, were, were very, very important. In the early stages of the crisis, they, they, they were essential in restoring market function in the Treasury and other markets. And now we're in a situation where, where they still have a use, but it's time for us to begin to taper them. Their usefulness is much less as a tool than it was at the very beginning. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the central bank could announce plans to wind down asset purchases as soon as November, as the US economy recovers from the pandemic. What's more, new Fed forecasts show a growing desire to raise interest rates sooner and more aggressively, with nine out of the 18 members calling for a hike next year, and three of those expecting an increase of 50 basis points. Still, the dollar initially fell on the news. After a disappointing jobs report in August, a recent rise in US COVID cases and market volatility tied to a liquidity crisis at Chinese property developer Evergrande, financial markets have yet to be convinced that aggressive rate hikes are on the way. I'm Rebecca Byrne and to find out what this means for the dollar and other currencies around the world, I'm joined by ING's global head of markets, Chris Turner. So Chris, the Fed clearly signalling that it will start the process of tapering as soon as the next meeting. And at the same time, there's been quite a big shift in the way that Fed members are thinking about rate hikes. And yet the reaction of the dollar was a little bit strange, wasn't it? Tell us what this news means for the currency. Yeah, I described uh, the dollar reaction as a bit strange because the dollar initially sold off despite the dot plot showing quite a hawkish Fed. As you say, the median now expects a first rate hike in 2022. And actually, we got the first look at where the Fed expects Fed funds in 2024, up at 1.8%. So that, that is quite a hawkish tilt. And we were surprised to see the dollar sell off. But it did recover later in the session when uh, Chair Powell mentioned that tapering probably would be over by next summer, summer 22. And that kind of opens the door for James Knightley's views that actually the first Fed rate hike is in September 2022. So I think the dollar will be supported. But I think one of the key issues for the market is the market doesn't quite believe that the Fed will be able to be this aggressive, that it will be able to take rates up to 1.8%. So for example, if you look at money market pricing, they really struggle to see the Fed funds so much above at 1.25% over the cycle. So I think this is going to be one of the challenges for, for FX markets. Will the data be it inflation or activity data, be strong enough to convince the markets that the Fed can be as aggressive as the dot plot suggests. But overall, though, I think this is a, a bullish backdrop for the dollar. OK. The debt crisis at Evergrande is also something that markets are wrestling with at the moment. And Chair Powell did mention this a little bit in the press conference, um, saying that, yes, it could affect confidence in global markets, but there's not a lot of direct exposure. Situation is still quite unpredictable, isn't it? What's the most likely outcome here and what does it mean for the FX world, including the UN? Yes, um, it's been a bubbling story, particularly over the last couple of months. And I suppose the most dangerous outcome would be some kind of disorderly default that's uncovered some skeletons in the Chinese financial system, which global investors would take quite poorly, particularly because equity markets have been so bid for so long. I would think the most likely outcome would be some kind of debt restructuring. Uh, We have seen some early suggestions that an onshore uh, remembi denominated bond would be restructured. And I think there's a lot of focus on what happens to the offshore dollar denominated bonds. One issue there, I think, as well, I think a lot of these dollar bonds are held by Chinese financial institutions. 
So you'd imagine Chinese authorities would be able to get both Evergrande and the holders of this debt together to try and reach some orderly solutions. So that would be my kind of hunch, but we need to see what happens over the next two to four weeks. Mm -hmm. It does seem as though the risks are mounting for emerging markets, many of which were already considered pretty vulnerable because of low vaccination rates and high COVID cases. We've had central bank meetings in Brazil and Turkey this week. Which currencies are most at risk and which are, are likely to be more resilient? Yes, perhaps we could start off with the ones which are going to be uh, more resilient. And I think those central banks where they are looking at inflation and preparing sort of front-loaded tightening, so certainly Brazil and Russia, those central banks are keeping those currencies relatively supported. So we think uh, they can continue to perform pretty well. Perhaps one of the most weakest, I would think, might be the South African rand. Uh, here, interest rates by emerging market standards are pretty low at sort of 3.5%. And uh, all the rand gains this year have been on the back of big rallying commodity prices. And uh, with a big fall in kind of iron ore um, and uncertainty about China, I would personally see the rand as one of the most vulnerable emerging market currencies. Back here, of course, the Bank of England has been meeting. Markets have been pricing in a rate hike in about six months' time, but our economist James Smith thinks that they might be jumping the gun a little bit. What's your outlook for the pound? Yes, so certainly um, Sterling's had a decent rally, a temporary rally. It's actually handed back some of its uh, recent gains, really triggered by that high um, August inflation figure. As James has pointed out in some of his Bank of England previews, it's going to be a tricky autumn, though, for the UK economy. We've got the furlough schemes ending, so unemployment is set to increase. We've got to see how both business and consumer confidence copes with the rise, upcoming rise in national insurance to, to fund social care. And uh, as James points out, the Bank of England probably really needs to see wages growth sustainably picking up before they can turn a bit more hawkish. I think overall, though, we would see euro sterling continuing to trade in 85 to 86 range. But perhaps there's a chance into next year, perhaps Q1, Q2 of euro sterling breaking lower if it does look like the Bank of England is in a position to tighten. Certainly they will be tightening well ahead of the ECB. Okay, let's talk about some of the other big stories of the week. There's been this huge run-up in gas prices. Prices have uh, quadrupled in the year to September. Has that started to make its mark on the currencies of the big gas exporters? I think it has, actually. There have been days when, you know, when gas has uh, dominated the headline. I think we have started to see some outperformance of the big gas exporters in Europe of uh, Norway and Russia. Also, big gas exporter is uh, Qatar. Um, the Qatari sort of forwards on that liquid, so they don't move that much. So it's hard to see those moving. But you would have thought that would move in favour of the Qatari real as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very, very hot topic. And, you know, those terms of trade gains, you know, export prices rising relative to import prices have been a very supportive uh, factor for many currencies this year. And I think uh, Norway and Russia, particularly positioned with hawkish central banks are well positioned uh, this autumn. It's also uh, a big week on the political front. It's the end of the Merkel era in Germany. We've got elections on Sunday. Could this have any impact on the euro? Yeah, we've been looking carefully at the markets over recent weeks and months, and uh, we have seen polls showing the SPD pull away. Um, it hasn't really, to be honest, sort of impacted the euro that much. I think the, the big question mark out there is who will be in this coalition you know, there's, it's, it's very unclear at this stage and we have to sort of wait until next week to see how the coalition will shape up. I suppose we'd suspect that the, the greater the, the weight of the, the SPG vote, uh, 
you know, the greater weight of the, their ability to get their policies through, which might deliver some slightly looser fiscal policy, which might be good for the euro in terms of a, a combination of looser fiscal and perhaps tighter monetary policy. But as I say, um, because of the uncertainty around who will actually be in that coalition and the uncertainty about the vote in general, we've yet to see the impact in the market so far. All right, Chris Turner, ING's Global Head of Markets. Thanks very much. Thank you. This podcast has been prepared by ING solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation, nor is it investment, legal or tax advice or an offer of solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.